Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Hello out there to everyone. Are you a highly sensitive individual? Do people around you seem to disturb your balance? Our outstanding guest today, Michael Simonson, opening doors of light for sensitive children along with their parents, is his path. Seemingly to walk where only a God would tread, Michael senses, feels, and supports those who have heightened sensitivity to become aware and more assimilated to how their feelings and sensing disturbs their lives. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz, energy healer and sage, Michael Simonson, without ego, but with conscious understanding of all human existence and of the divine. Former Canadian construction worker, Michael Simonson is a unique and rare presence. His work with the future masters on planet Earth, the energetically sensitive children, at the Hunter School in New Hampshire and all of us energetically sensitive souls is part of his mission to awaken all humanity. Well, Michael has been working as an energy practitioner and teacher for over 25 years. He works with energy fields and goes beyond the human body to deal directly with the core reasons for physical, mental, and emotional difficulties within his clients. Michael has most recently worked with Zach, a young boy who was featured last year on the Oprah Winfrey Show in an hour-long episode about Zach's remarkable progress as a result of Michael's work. His mother, Lori Ferris, Associate Director of the Hunter School, spent years seeing specialists and seeking help for Zach, whose behaviors continued to deteriorate, becoming more and more violent each year. Well, Michael, you have done such great work, and we thank you for all that you've done, and welcome to our show. Thank you, and thank you for having me. You know, Michael, for for you to sense, excuse me, to sense and feel what children and parents are feeling, are you also a highly sensitive individual? Yes, I I have to be in order to do this kind of work. It's important that I can tune into people and uh, tune into their energies to understand where they're at and what would assist them in opening up to the truth of who they are, to move into a place where they can take control of their lives again and actually you know, have love and joy and happiness in their lives and their families. Uh, let's go back to... Be- 
Oh, I was going to say, let's go back to when you were a construction worker. How did you begin your path as a healer? I mean, did you know you had uh, this ability while you were working with construction? Uh, well, as a, a little kid and a teenager and a young man, often when I would think about what I call God, I'd often get these really powerful energy rushes. But for the most part, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. I was more interested in getting on with my life and working. And it wasn't until I was 33 years old, I was in my office one day, and my business partner's wife came in, and she was all excited. She had uh, just come from a reading with this wonderful clairvoyant medium from England. And I had a lot of jobs on the go at the time, so I was really, really busy. But she just kept talking about this lady and insisting that uh, my business partner and I go have a reading with her. So basically just to get her to stop talking and let, so I could go back to work, I agreed to, for her to set up an appointment with me, which she did. And it was the following week, but I had, I was, when I get working, I can get very single-minded. And I was working basically seven days a week at that time. So I completely forgot about the appointment, missed it. And uh, over the course of the next two years, this lady was coming over from England to do some work with a lady just down the valley from Golden up in the Rocky Mountains in British Columbia who was suffering from MS. So the second year, she was back. More appointments were made. I ended up missing three appointments with this lady. And eventually, uh, this lady became good friends with my business partner's wife and got invited to our company Christmas party where I met her for, and... Uh, she let me know she wasn't too happy with <laughs> not keeping my appointments. Um, then that night she went home and she carried with her a little um, mechanical typewriter. This was well, quite some time ago before the Internet was really active. She used to sit down and type letters to her friends back in England. And so that night she sat down to write some letters and she went into a trance, which hadn't happened to her before, and typed out 15 or 16 pages around my abilities and who I really was from a soul level or energy level. Well, it took a little while to call me up and say she had this information, but she gave it, you know, I think it was three or four weeks later, and I got it and looked at it. It was interesting in that, but it was, to me, woo-woo stuff. So um, she went back to England and came back again in the fall. And she called her office one day. She was staying up in the cabin up in the, in the Rocky Mountains, just down the road from my business partner's farm. And the wood stove in the cabin had one of the seams had split, so it was letting smoke into the cabin. And she knew we had welding rigs and that, so she asked if we could fix it. And just so happened that night, I was going out to my business partner's home to bid another job that night so I said sure we'll stop by with a rig and so while my business partner was welding up the stove this lady was talking to me uh, she mentioned she had the flu and the, co and the cold and wasn't feeling well and I remembered she said I had healing abilities so when no one was looking I sort of just pointed my hands at her I didn't have a clue what I was doing and uh, it blew me away I could it was just like lightning bolts coming out of my hands, rays of light. I could see it. I could feel it. And that was it for me. Within a month's time, I started 
construction business and in the wool business. Well, that was that was really quite a turn for you from construction to that. <laughs> Did you shock all the uh, your friends and people around you? Well, a lot of my friends and even people in my family thought I was kind of crazy. But again, for me, it was uh, you know I've always been a very logical, scientific type person, and and that experience was just totally profound for me. And so I wanted to know more. And I realized that I, in order to know more, I had to devote time to doing it. So when so did I, you go ahead? So I uh, got out of the construction business, sold my home in Golden, and went to Vancouver and uh, started checking out various uh, psychics and channelers because I wanted to know more about this stuff and realized that a lot of the people that I saw really didn't have the answers. So at that point, I decided I wasn't going to read spiritual books or see anybody, but just to go inside and find my own truth which is what I've been doing ever since. And on that note, I would suggest that you don't believe anything that I say, but uh, go inside. Anytime somebody gives you any spiritual teachings or truths, not to believe it, but to go inside and check it out. Does this serve me? Is this coming from a loving place? That kind of stuff. That's very true. Um, When did you begin working with children? Um, I've been working with adults and children all down through the years, but it um, really intensified when I when Lori phoned me up and asked me to work with her son. And then I got involved at the Hunter School. They wanted to, because Zach did, you know, did such a turnaround on a lot of levels really, really fast. They wanted to know what I was doing and how I did it so that they could utilize these techniques with the other children in the school. So, so Lori Lori's Zach's mother, right? Yes. Um, so I came out to... Um, well, when Lori first phoned me, i just gotten back from a, a trip up to northern Canada to a Dene Indian reservation. It spent, I think it was 10 or 12 days up there, which uh, was really, really interesting, but uh, kept me really, really busy. And when Lori called up, I was thinking, it's time for a holiday. And and I didn't even really want to answer her phone call, but I did. And Lori started explaining all the different labels that Zach had. And and so I went through all the different labels and explained to Lori energetically what was going on with Zach. And the last thing that she brought up was Tourette's. Now, uh, so when Lori started talking about Zach's uh, Tourette issues, I said, well, that's easy to fix, too. It's just like all the other things. It's an energy thing. And Lori, at that time, you know, because she had spent seven or eight years going to lots of different doctors and she said, reading a thousand and one books on all the problems that Zach had almost hung up on me because she was told threats were incurable. But if you look at uh, people who suffer from threats, when they get into the verbal stuff, it's always cursing and swearing and perverted sexual stuff. They never say, I love you, I'm happy, or any of that other stuff. Uh, so people with threats are really, really energetically sensitive, but also 
not fully in their bodies, and hence that's why they're easily influenced by negativity coming from outside of themselves. So I explained that to Lori, and she was didn't really accept it at the time. Then the next thing I said to Lori was, why are you refusing to love your son? She almost hung up on me again because this lady had gone through, you know, seven or eight years of doing everything she possibly could to help Zach. But one of the things that Lori found with Zach was when they're two, when they come together in the physical at times, he'd become even more violent. And what was happening on an energy level with Zach was Lori had this profound love for this little guy, but because of the, you know, the violence and the, all the negative things and destructive things that Zach had engaged in over the seven or eight years, she became, on some levels, really afraid of him, but also she really worried about him. What's his life going to be like? Is he going to be on pharmaceuticals for the rest of his life and institutionalized? And so she had this great love in the core of her being, but it would, it would flow out, but it would go through these fears and then turn into a negative energy. And so instead of Zach feeling his mom's love, he would feel all of her fears amplified by her love. So did Zach also have autism? Zach had pretty well all the labels that you could uh, put on a child. Zach is in a... Uh, I mean, a lot of these children are, you know, energetically sensitive to varying degrees. Zach is one of the children that I've met that is super, super sensitive. To give you an example, once I came out to New Hampshire and we go out shopping sometimes to get groceries and that, and stores around here have these things called red boxes where you can rent DVD movies. And if we'd walk by one of those and the all Zach had to do was look at the posters, and most of the, you know, these movies were negative in nature, violent, and because, uh, you know, we're all part of a collective consciousness, all Zach would have to do is look at a poster, and he would tune into the, the energies in the collective consciousness that engage in those kinds of negative creating, and that negativity would flow into him, and his ticks would just go off the wall. So that it's almost as though he doesn't have the filters that a normal person has a filter that can filter that a lot of that out. Yeah. So he's lacking that. Well, well, there's a great a great deal of truth in that. But, uh, Zach had been on uh, medication for a lot of years, and when a child is on medication, besides harming their physical body and their organs. It also destroys their ability to focus and to really be in control of their own consciousness. So every year that Zach was on these uh, medications, he was not able to learn the way a child would learn that wasn't on medications. So he wouldn't, you know, he didn't have the opportunities to to learn and to master things that other children had already mastered years ago. That makes total. Another thing that happened. Yeah. I said that makes total. Yeah, total sense. Uh, another thing, you know, because Zach was uh, really, really sensitive with all the negative things that had gone on, it caused, if you were to look at his energy field, you would see his physical body, say, standing up, but his energy field was pushed off to the side, which meant he wasn't in control of his, you know, full control of his physical body, his mind, his energies, which meant he was easily influenced by negativity coming from outside of himself. So when you look at people, 
adults included, um, you can see their energy field, so you can see where the the field is on balance. Yes. I also tune into what I call people's souls or higher selves and, and uh, uh, get information from there, but also on the human energy field. Everything that you ever experience, no matter how minute or small, is recorded in your energies, every positive experience you have and every negative experience you have. And because we're part of a collective consciousness, you know, um, if we have negative experiences that we do not resolve and sort out and then transmute to negative energies through resolving them, we carry them in our energy field. And that allows us to link to other, other energies of a similar kind. All energy uh, has an attraction to itself. So similar energies will be attracted to similar energies or like energies, like-like energies, like energies are connected to like energies. To give you an example, say you're sitting at home and you want to listen to your favorite talk show with your radios. You have to tune your radio into the same frequency uh, the radio station's transmitting on in order to access that information. Well, it's the same with uh, human beings and their energy fields, and we're all part of a collective consciousness. All emotions have a vibration or a unique energy signature, love being the highest vibration you can experience and fear being a low vibration. So when people have negative experiences in their life, again, if they don't sort those out, they carry those experiences in their energy field that allow them to link to other people around them who have similar negative experiences. They all get energy exchanges between people. Have you ever had the experience of following somebody who's not in a good place and you find yourself yawning and getting tired and exhausted? It's because of that energetic connection that we have with those people on an energy level. And if a person is in a more negative place than you are, or a lower vibrational place, energy always seeks balance, so you'll find a flow between your two energy fields. Or another way you can look at it, if you you go to bed tonight and you wake up in the morning and you had a great sleep and you're happy and you're energized and you've got a lot of, you're looking forward to your day, and if you think about somebody in a negative or judgmental way, what happens is as soon as you think about somebody, you turn that link on you have with that person. And what you'll find again is uh, a flow of energies between your energy field and the other person. So you'll find your vibrations dropping. The other person will find theirs increasing. They'll end up feeling better and more energized. You'll find yourself uh, losing energy and, and feeling frustrated or angry or sad or whatever negative emotions are ruling that other person's experience. They call One them the vampires. <laughs> They call psychic vampires. Exactly. You know, they're feeding off of your energy. And that's the reason why all the great masters who ever walked the earth plane have, you know, said the same thing. Guard your thoughts, keep them positive. You create your reality with your thoughts, not to judge. The minute we, you know, judgment is one of the most powerful ways human beings destroy their ability to love and, and to be connected to the truth of who they are. So if the person that came in the room that's negative and you're, you came in the room positive, the minute you start judging them, they can zap you. But if you just send love, do you put up a shield where they can't zap you? Yes, well, the trick, not so much to send love, but just to be a loving person. Now, mm-hmm. If you're a loving person and you've mastered the fears in your own experience, then there's no way they can energetically connect into your energy field. So the greatest protection against fear or negativity or the darkness in this world is just to be a loving person. So 
this is what you've trained Zach to do. I mean, you've taught him how to do this. Yes. Well, with all the children that we work with at the Hunter School, we, you know, the things that I teach children is that they're totally responsible for the type of life that they have. And they can uh, create their experience, their day-to-day experience of their life from one or two different places, from a positive, loving place or a negative place. If they choose to be positive and happy and loving, they're going to have a good day, and they're going to have a positive uh, effect on everybody around them because everything that we think, we radiate out from our consciousness. Every thought that we have, we project out. If they choose to come from a negative place, then their day is going to reflect that. When they're in that negative place, they can't be happy, they can't be joyful, they can't have fun, they can't focus. And when they're in that negative place, they'll also find themselves sharing in the mega thought forms and energies of other people around them and ultimately the greater collective consciousness. Well, even watching the news, I mean, you can choose to be negative what you're listening to. Um, personally, yes. I can listen to the news and it I don't know what I do, but I, it doesn't affect me neg- negatively. But other people, I can see that it does. Yes. Well, again, the trick is to come from a place of non-judgment. So, you know, if you're in your center and you're loving unconditionally, you'll be able to look at news or any negative event in the world and not have it affect you in a negative way. A truly loving being, when they look out in the world and perceive negative events going on with other people, will say to themselves, that's cool, that's perfect. It's not what I would choose, but I understand those people are exploring their free will in this world of duality, where they have an opportunity to create with positive or negative energies. And so when you say to yourself, it's perfect, it's not what I would choose, then you stay in a place of non-judgment, and then uh, you're not affected by the negative creating that you're choosing to explore at that time. The soul learns through experience. And so, is this what, uh, this level you, here... You're going to be teaching a workshop in uh, Culver City at Agape Center. Is this what you're going to be teaching? Uh, Well, at the the Agape Center, we're going to be teaching uh, parents and children how to understand energies, understand how their thoughts are connected, and and how to master their fears so that they can uh, move back into a place of love. All emotions you create with your consciousness, and when you allow fear to be your master, then it requires you to be a puppet to your own fears. It requires you not to be in control of your own consciousness whenever your creations or your fears are controlling you. So just like we do at the Hunter School, we teach children that you know they have the power to be in control of who they are and to come from a place that represents the truth of who they are. Or if they choose to be negative, then they're choosing to be puppets to their own fears, not to be in control, and then... So they're not only going to be influenced and controlled by their own fears, but uh, fears coming from outside of themselves. And this can be taught at a very early age, it sounds like. Yes. Uh, you can, you know, once a child can start talking and communicating, you can impart this information to them. One of the things I've noticed over the years is a lot of adults, you know, um, look at children as not capable of understanding these things. When I work with a child, I, I talk to them the same way I would with an adult. And I actually find children get it a lot faster than most adults. This is one of the things also that 
when I work with children, uh, using Zach as an example, Lori listed all the things that Zach couldn't do. The doctors said he couldn't do. The you know, educational people said he couldn't do. And to me, he could do all of those things. The only reason he was having difficulty doing those things is because he was a really energetically sensitive kid. And, you know, Zach isn't the one that had problems. It's the world he found himself in. Because, you know, again, we're all part of a collective consciousness. And we've got over 7 billion beings on this planet, and the vast majority of them live in fear and because our thoughts are energy and we radiate those thoughts out in the collective consciousness a lot of the children in the world today on a mental and emotional level on a thought level are picking up these negative uh, thought forms negative energies and then because they don't understand how to control it it causes them to invest a great deal of their energies in dealing with these energies on a non-physical level which affects their ability to function on this level it affects children Michael? in different ways. Some children, yes. Michael, how long does it uh, did it really take for Zach to to pick up and know that this was really working for him? Um, well, it happened really fast. That was one of the reasons why I got, uh, went out to the Hunter School. Um, and all, all children are different. I mean, I've met one of the one little boy at the Hunter School who, the first year I was out there, when I first came into the school, he was in a, they have these timeout rooms where when children are out of control or not, you know, being uh, in control. And uh, so this young fellow was in this timeout room and I walked in and there's, people outside the door keeping an eye on him and I said, you know, can I talk to him? So I went in there and the young fellow had, he was a couple of weeks behind in his schoolwork. He had ripped up all the papers they had given him that he, you know, was behind on him. This was in January. I had my snow boots on and I uh, started talking to him. And one of the things that I do with children right off the bat is I surround them with love. I put them in what I call a bubble of light. Because energy needs a purpose, you have to give it an intent. So when I found a child with a bubble of light, I make my intent to sever all links and bonds in their experience that are not loving, and so that they're in a healing, peaceful place. So this young man calmed right down in you know, less than a minute, and he could see every time I move around this room, all the paper sticking to my my boots. So without me saying anything, he knocked on the door and asked for a garbage can, and he went down and picked up all these little pieces of paper. Then we had a really cool conversation. (laughs) He talked to me about his inability to focus and to do schoolwork. So I talked to him about using his what, what we call white light. And white light is just a word for positive, loving energies. And I did some clearing exercises with him, just talk to him again about, you know, he's responsible for his life and, you know, he kept saying, well, I can't do this stuff. And so I reminded him that, you know, how we experience the world is how we see it. If we keep saying things, I can't do this or I don't understand that, that's exactly what we're going to experience. So I sort of challenged him. I said, you know, well, I'll get you all of this. I'll get your, your, your schoolwork that you're behind, fresh copies of it, and just take it home tonight and see what you can do. Think about, you know, just in your mind, realize that you're an intelligent, wise young man and that you're capable of doing anything that you choose to do if you focus. I probably spent about half an hour with this young guy. And um, 
next day when I came into the school, he was down at the far end of the hallway, and he screamed out my name. He came running down the hall, and he was all excited. He said, I did it. I did everything. I caught up on all the work that I'm behind. And, within, you know, within two weeks of working with this young guy, he totally changed. But a lot of the times, within an hour or so, uh, working with the child, if you deal with them from a place of love and help them release from their energy field by doing what we again call white light exercises, the fears and the negativity in their energy fields, they move back into their centers really fast and all the labels that are placed on them disappear. But one of the things that, because your neural pathways in your brain become hardwired uh, based upon how you live your life and how you think, so the thing that all of these children, including adults, when they start uh, opening up and mastering their fears and their limitations, one of the obstacles you're always going to find is they've been hardwired to be in fear and to be limited in their thinking. And the only way that can change is by forcing yourself to think in unlimited ways and, and positive loving ways. And the more you do that, then you'll find your neural pathways restructuring themselves to think uh, to reflect that new way of thinking. How long that takes is determined by uh, each individual and, and the amount of effort they put into being in control of their energies. Well, I was amazed when I saw Zach's interview with Oprah. Um, he spoke uh, more adult light than some adults. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was very clear. Well, Zach, Yes, it was actually like a lot of these children coming in the world nowadays are coming in on a much higher vibration, which means they have a, a greater ability to connect to their greater selves. And all of them are, you know, the ones that I work with are super, super intelligent. And so when you help a child overcome their fears, the negative energies that cause them to deny the truth of who they are, they reconnect to the truth of who they are, and then they can draw on their own innate knowledge and wisdom. I was kind of wondering if watching, you know, uh, if he's around the other children, if they might pick up on on his capability, and it'd be almost kind of like a trans, tr- uh, like a transference of his energy yes. to others. Yes. Well, that's again because our thoughts are energy, and we're all connected. So when Zach's in a cool, happy, loving place, just like the other children in the hunter school. They have a really positive effect on everybody around them. Or if he goes into a negative place, then you know the opposite happens. He'll have a negative effect on those around him who are not yet in control of their energies. So, is Zach able to go into a negative um, place at this time and be able to control it? Yes. Well, he's still, you know, because uh, you know once he got off the medication and that. It's actually, you know, when Zach has moved into a place where he can actually start learning to be in control of himself and start learning the things that most children would have learned seven or eight years ago. So there's times if he gets around or there's a lot of negativity going on in his experience or in the greater world, at times he will let himself go negative. But the cool thing is now he's able to control that and get back into his center. The more he does that, then the more he learns how to do that, and the more he he comes from the place that represents the truth of who he is, and again, his neural pathways and his energy field will be restructured to represent coming from that peaceful, loving place. 
Now, does the the medical field uh, are they aware that they're um, slowing these children's process down by putting them on medication? Well, I'm sure there are some. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists who you know who are working to change the system of just medicating and warehousing children. But there's others there that are, you know, just as happy to sit down and write out prescriptions, spend 10 minutes with the child, and, and give them drugs. What's like you teenagers know. that go on drugs? They start, they stop maturing the minute they start yes. to be on drugs. And when they yes, come well, off of drugs. That, yes, that's a, you know the thing that's happened to Zach and a lot of these other children. As soon as you put them on drugs, they're their ability to develop and to grow goes right out the window. And one of the things when I first talked to Laurie was when she told me about all the drugs Zach was on. And I said, you know, you can't heal if you can't feel. You've got to get him off the meds. And I find it interesting, you know, some of these children that I see have so many, you know, take so many different meds in the course of one day that they're literally stoned out of their minds. And yet... People expect them to function in day-to-day lives and to do, and to go to school and to function when they're, you know, so medicated. One of the things that meds do is they destroy your ability again to feel, to heal, but also to be in control of your own energies and to evolve. Yes. Yes. Well, for me, every you know, every day that a child is spends medicated is the day that's been stolen out of their lives. I know um, my, I have a friend that she has a, a daughter that's 22 and she'd been on, I mean, had problems with drugs, taking drugs since she was 15. So finally now that she's clean, they're telling her, the mother, she's a 15-year-old because that's when she started taking drugs. Yes. Yes. Well, as we've been talking about, it destroys a person's ability to be in control of their own consciousness to actually learn and to deal with life's experiences. And so, just as you've mentioned, this young lady now has to catch up and learn all the things that her buddies have learned that weren't on drugs so that she can get back into a place of uh, being in control of her life and, and having a good life. So do you work with um, older children as well as um, children Zach's age? Yes. Well, I work with from really, really young to um, grandfathers and grandmothers. Um, I find children of all ages a lot of fun to work with, even you know, when you get into teenagers and that, and they're, a lot, you know, they're already got a lot of set ideas in their mind and, you know, I bet lots of them who would think this you know, energy stuff is all crazy and that, but when you sit down and explain to them about energies and, and you know, it's a choice you, you can make, you can be in control or not in control, uh, they get it because it's simple truth. And when, whenever you speak simple truth, especially to a child, uh, they get it. And uh, the cool thing is, once a child understands that they have control of what they experience or how they live their lives, they, you know, get really excited because now, you know, a lot of the children that I meet, uh, you know, feel powerless. They've been, you know, have all these different labels placed on them and 
this is another one of the things that where we do a great disservice to children is we put all these labels on children. The parents believe it, and then the children believe it. Children are really influenced by how their parents or caregivers think about them. You know, children are energetically imprinted by the thought forms that mom and dad live their day-to-day lives in. So if mom and dad uh, see their children as being limited or disabled or whatever, that's the, the thought forms a child is getting all the time from mom and dad, and they'll actually embrace those thought forms and make it their reality. So it's really, really important. You know, one of the things we teach parents who come to the Hunter School is not to see their children as having problems or limited, but see them as what we call energetically sensitive. It totally, it totally changes to the dynamics uh, you know, between uh, the parents and the child. When the parent sees their child as now being energetically sensitive, being special and capable of doing anything that they choose to do, if you clear out the negative stuff, and the child believes that. We project which then allows them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, you know, over the years, I've worked with lots of people who, as kids and teenagers, said, "I'm never going to be like mom and dad." Yet they grow up to become adults, get married, and get jobs, and they find themselves responding to uh, responding to life situations from the same place mom and dad did because of that energetic imprinting. So it's really, really important that parents realize that how they see their children is how the children learn to see themselves. And that's the link that's missing, I think. Mm-hmm. Because, because we blame things on genes and we blame, blame things on everything else but what we project on each other. Yes. Well, looking at Zach again, I mean, uh, when I first started working with him and Besides doing energy work with him, uh, I had a good friend of mine from Golden, a lady by the name of Jill Davies, who was assisting me. Because uh, when I work with people, I usually always have somebody assisting with me. Um, she's a retired school teacher, so because Zach was so far behind in his schoolwork, uh, Jill agreed to you know to help him catch up on that. And I also spent some time with Zach teaching him how to do various you know, math and things like that. And right off the bat, Zach would say, I can't do that because, you know, he'd been told by medical people and by teachers that, you know, that was beyond his ability. But after a while, Zach started to realize that he could do all the things that he was told he couldn't do. And, you know, every one of the limitations that Laurie had mentioned to me around the things that Zach couldn't do, to me, was nonsense. I saw Zach for what he really was, a really sensitive, intelligent young man who was just dealing with a lot of fear. And again, because fear is something we create with our consciousness. When fear is your master, you're not in control. Well, I have a, a niece that um, they just put the label bipolar on. So now uh, everything, everything is, oh, I did that because I'm bipolar. <laughs> yes. And, and that's, again, one of the dangers of putting labels on children because it gives them an excuse to not do the things that they need to do in order to better better themselves or to learn. Uh, bipolar is, again, just another energy thing. You know, if you look at a child who what is what they call bipolar, you'll again see this is a child whose energies are really scattered and who's not in their center. And at times... 
fear rules their experience. Just like with some of these children, they call autistic and that. These, some of these children who are labeled with that, you will find are really, really energetically sensitive, but again, living in a world where there's a lot of fear. And so because they're not, you know, haven't been taught how to deal with that fear, they withdraw within themselves and will usually only come out of what you could say their shell is when it's something that they know that they can do or they really enjoy doing. Other than that, they just retreat it within themselves and live in their own little world. Why do you think there's so many more uh, autistic children now than there were 20 years ago? Is it just because we put the label on them, or is it actually that there's more of energetically sensitive children now? Well, all of those. Uh, you know, when I was a, a little kid, there was probably you know one and a half or you know a little under one and a half billion people on the planet. Now there's over seven billion. And again, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of people in this world that live in fear, and so you got you know many people you know radiating negative thought forms that these kids pick up. And as I mentioned earlier, these these children are coming in on a much higher vibration than their parents did, which means they're a lot more energetically sensitive. So you have that, but then the human immune system, if it's in fear. Uh, its ability to deal with toxins and chemicals in, in, in our environment is greatly lessened. So when a child is living in fear, it plugs up their energy centers, which destroys their physical body's ability to deal with toxins in, in this world. As you know, a lot of the foods that we eat uh, have chemicals in it and are not very healthy. So all of these things affect these children. And then also, again, you know, if you look at the things that we give children in this world today to entertain themselves, you know, movies, TVs, video games that for the most part are really, really negative. Well, plus I think electrical, I mean, we've got computers, uh, radios, television, I mean, all this uh, satellites, uh, cell phones, all this is all electrical things are going on. And I think it bothers our bodies or our ability to be able to ground. Yeah, well, again... That is all, de- you know. That is determined by the energies of each individual. So you'll find somebody at, who's in their power and centered is not going to be affected by any of these things. Uh, to give you an example, I mean, I've met lots of people over the years who eat all the right foods and exercise and do everything that they've been told to do in order to be healthy and strong. Yet a lot of them will get sick, and some of them die young. Then you'll meet other people who smoke two packs of cigarettes a day and drink a quart of whiskey and live to be 90, 100 years old. The difference between these two groups of people is one lives in fear and one doesn't. Because we're energy beings, our physical bodies require higher source energies in order to empower our immune systems. So the more we buy into fear, the more we destroy our physical body's ability to draw in these higher energies in order to empower our immune systems. Whereas if we are positive and happy and non-judgmental, then we're more in tune with the truth of who we are, our higher selves, our soul, whatever you want to call your higher aspect. And then when you're in tune with that, then you can draw in those energies to supplement your life force on this level. Isn't it so simple? <laughs> yes. And we don't get it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, well, Michael, I have another question. Yes. Uh, let me let me just ask you. Um, 
on foods, are the children kind of educated a little bit about the foods they're eating um, as well when you work with them? Yes, well, at Hunter School, uh, it's, a, it's a vegetarian diet with the kids. Uh, we're out in the White Mountains, and it's, uh, I think, 150 or 60 acres. We've got a nice lake there. So we give them a vegetarian diet, and we talk to them about, you know, like a lot of this candy that you buy has artificial sweeteners in it, which, you know, aspartame and other things that really affect a person's neurological system. So we talk to them about things like that. But... They're on a vegetarian diet, and they're also out in nature, you know, which is all really conducive to helping these kids come back into their their center and to be in control of who they are. Is it like being in touch with the the uh, heart of the earth or the beat of the earth? I mean, the earth has a rhythm. Yes. Well, the earth is a living entity. One of the things I find interesting in this world today is a lot of children have no interest in nature anymore. They find much more enjoyment playing video games and these little handheld devices. And you can be taking a child through the countryside and they won't even look out the window. They'll just play these games. So a lot of children have lost touch with nature and, and, and Mother Earth. And, uh, you know, it's important for us to realize we're all part of a collective consciousness, but we're all, all life is connected. You know, and it's becoming a really uncool thing is if each generation loses uh, its connection with Mother Earth, then they're going to have less reason to be concerned about all the destruction that's going on on a physical level with pollution and destroying the environment. Well, I mean, if you're in touch with nature, your heart is in touch with nature, in touch, it's easier to be heart-to-heart connection with your humankind as well. Yes, yes. Well, for that reason, again, that we're all connected and we're all part of the same, we all come from the same source. And You know, when we harm one another, we're harming ourselves, but when we harm our environment, we're harming another aspect of ourselves and, and, and the world that we live in. And when you go out in Mother Nature, you know, if you tune into it, it's peaceful. You go sit on a mountainside somewhere on a meadow or by a lake. You allow yourself to tune into nature. It's like tuning into to the light or to God, whatever you want to call that energy. And tuning into Mother Earth. And it moves you into a peaceful place. And the more you move into a peaceful place, the more you connect with your your real self or your soul or the truth of who you are. It's almost like the universe is sending these children to us to teach us a lesson or to bring us back yes, to who we're supposed to be. Yes, well, that's exactly what's happening. A lot of these children who are coming in are what I call highly evolved masters, and their purpose of coming into this world is to change the old uh, fear-based paradigms that have been ruling this world, to, to, to bring in a higher energy to lift the collective consciousness of humanity and, and the planet Earth itself to a higher level of awareness. And so... As the vibrations increase in this world, you'll find, because we're all connected, everybody in the world will then start making more loving, positive choices. But in order for that to happen, it requires beings in physical embodiment to anchor that higher energy coming from source or God uh, to bring it into this world. But one of the, you know, because 
the medical profession doesn't really understand energies and consciousness and the non-physical aspects of our energy fields and our beings, they, have a, you know, they're at a disadvantage. And so for a lot of these people, the only way that they can help these children who are struggling with having to deal with the fears in the world is to meditate them, which is there's a lot of really beautiful, sensitive children who are, we could say, being tossed under the bus because they're not understood and not, they're not getting the help that they really need. Yeah. Michael, do you have you have some upcoming events in Los Angeles, right? Are you are you there actually helping, like uh, adults or or maybe children as well, uh, look at a different um, way of life? Yeah, I'll be uh, arriving in uh, Los Angeles on uh, May the 8th and staying there until the 29th. Um, Saturday, May the 12th, we have a three-hour workshop on understanding energetically sensitive children with Lori Ferris and Reverend Leon Campbell at the Agape Spiritual Center. Mm-hmm. Then on May the 19th, is a one-day workshop from 10 to 5 p.m. on understanding the energetically sensitive soul at the Beverly Garland Hotel in uh, North Hollywood, and on Sunday, May the 20th, there's a four-hour workshop on understanding energetically sensitive children at the Center for Living Peace in Irvine, California. Okay, good. And if so people are interested, it, they could, pardon me? We're in Northern California, but it sounds like it would be well worth anyone who has a child that's energetically sensitive to to go down and... Yes. and uh, be with you. Yeah. Well, one one of the things at Hunter School, you know, with those parents that are into the energy program, you know, one of the things that we do is we work with the adults. You know, it's important. If a child is having a tough time, you know, again, because children share the energies of their parents, you know, it's important for the parents to understand what's going on energetically. And if parents are having a tough time in their life and their relationship or they're out struggling in the world, and the thought forms that represent those tough times that their parents are going through are shared with their children 24-7. So it's important for parents to master their fears and to move back into a loving place. And in doing so, they teach through that energetic imprinting their children how to come from that place. If you ask a child to be in control of their energies, to be peaceful and loving, when you as a parent are not coming from that place, you're going to have problems. So can people so, um, connect with you on your website so that if they have questions or need help, um, they can connect with you through your website? Most certainly. They can just go to energeticallysensitivechild.com, and there's a uh, contact page there. One of the things that we're working at setting up at the Hunter School one of the reasons we're going to California is to get financial support to, to start a, a training center here in Romney where people can come and learn how to work with energies and work with children and then take that back out into their communities. Because there's, I believe, upwards to 50 million children now in North America on pharmaceuticals. And after school, we get, you know, just more people asking for help than we can deal with and on the website, so it's important for us now to get other people uh, or moving other people into a place of understanding this stuff. And it's really simple. It's not rocket science. It's just understanding energy. 
I think once people understand how this can support um, the children and, and themselves as well, you know, it, we all could stand to uh, back up every day <laughs> and, and look at what projections we're making as well. And um, again, your website is called energetically sensitive child.com and again energetically sensitive child.com and uh, this is so exciting to uh, and and to I think be able to go ahead I, I was going to say to to be able to um hone in and know where to go I, it, you know Michael it's just you know, thank you for being this master that you've become to be able to feel and and understand where people are. Um, it's such a gift to humanity, and uh, you know, it's, it's time we're able to grab on and and have a tool that we can feel like we can really say, "Oh, okay, now I can do it." You know, and no matter where you are, um, when we watched Zach on Oprah, it was like. You could see that he was—he was excited that he had a—that he had the capability of being able to to house what was needed, so that he could function in every part of his life. That was really, you know. Yes. Awesome. Well, Zach is like a lot of these children that we have at the Hunter School—children who are, you know, exceptional children who have a lot to offer this world and. It's our job as adults now is to, to give these children a chance to overcome the fears that are in this world, all the negative stuff, so that they can open up to the truth of who they are. It's these children who have the most power to move this world out of the darkness and into a, a world where there's peace and harmony with all of humanity and all life forms on this planet. That's one of the neat things about the Hunter School is this energy program here it's uh, allowing us now to go mainstream with it we were just down in saratoga at the high school there and talked to a lot of their teachers and counselors on thursday night last week and on friday uh, we went into the gym and uh, it's a middle school and a high school so we it's the high school kids we talked to first about energies and bowling and 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 what you can do uh, uh, when the child's in that place of being bullied, you know, what they can do energetically by controlling their thoughts, not take it personally. So it's really, really cool to be able to go into a public school system and to impart this information around thoughts and consciousness and energies and give children tools to deal with these kinds of negative situations that they experience when they're being bullied. Well, I see, I see uh, the newer generation shifting quickly and um and i think competition is not necessary and we come from the world of competition and i think we're shifting to cooperation corp- cooperation instead of competition yes and so i want to thank you ladies for helping get this message out there the more people that understand this and and start working in these directions the more children can be helped and the more families can go from having 
horrible times because their children are out of control, because they're in fear, and, and, and moving into a place where they can actually have peaceful, loving families. And the uh, your school is in New Hampshire, if someone wanted to contact the school? Yes, and they can also go on, on the Internet. It's hunterschool.org. Uh, so, Michael, we thank you so much. I've, you've given our listeners... Um, some fresh hope here and some energy to shift. So thank you so much. Thank you. You're most welcome. Again, thank you for having me on your show. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.